come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan, where we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Death, what separates us, yet binds us. Many talents, memories, and gifts are handed down from those who have gone. My grandfather was a writer and a poet. It was from him that I believe I was given my gift of writing. And it was from him that I discovered my favorite poet, Edgar Allan Poe. Tonight, as the veil continues thinning, I want to share stories of longing, of love, and finally hear from a soul who died so that he could truly live. We have the honor, at the end of this episode, of hearing from Professor Bones himself, a skeleton from the netherworld, who is a masterful composer and pianist. But first, I want to share with you some of my favorite works from Edgar Allan Poe. The following is Annabelle Lee. It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived whom you may know, by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in the kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kingsman came and bore her away from me, to shut her up in a sepulcher in the kingdom by the sea. The angels not half so happy in heaven went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason as all men know in this kingdom by the sea. That the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee, and the stars never rise but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night tide I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my wife and my bride, in her sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea.
Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow. Vainly I had sought to borrow, from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named the Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entering entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entering entrance at my chamber door. This it is, nothing more." Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is, I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door. That I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word. Lenore? This I whispered, and Echo murmured back the word. Lenore? Merely this is nothing more. Back into the chamber, turning all my soul, within me burning. Soon again, I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely, that is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mine of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance at war. Through thy crest be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. 
Much I marveled that this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door was such a name as... Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bus, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered. Other friends have flown before, on the morrow, he will leave me, as many hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken, by reply so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters, is it only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master, whom unmercifully disaster followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking. Nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing, to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er. She shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinked on the tufted floor. Wrench! I cried. Thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, O oh, quaff, this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet! said I. Thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether temptest tossed, thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Galed? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven. Nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet, still bird of devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell the soul with sorrow laden, if, within a distant Aden, it shall clasp a sated maiden, whom angels named Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden, whom the angels named Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend. I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore, 
Leave no black plume as a token of that lie they soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken, quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart, take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws a shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. Sometimes we must die to live. Such is the meaning of the tarot card death, symbolizing a rebirth, a letting go of that which no longer serves us, so that we may live our highest expression. I came across a man who is the embodiment of this expression, Professor Bones, an anonymous composer and pianist whose creations recount his memories and emotions from when he was living. It is in the underworld where his pieces come to life, from where his stories are born, a gift, as stated on his website, from a creature that in order to survive had to die first and rise from the grave. We are blessed tonight to have a rare visit from the skeleton himself. I am honored that you would be here tonight inside the caravan. I would like to ask you, sir, if I may, what can you tell us about your life before you became Professor Bones? My life has never been that special. I loved music. I loved sitting on the piano playing for hours and hours, day and night. Through music I could fly and learn anywhere. Maybe it was the music that blinded me. And perhaps love is just this. The inability to change. A one-way track. And now, here I am in the underworld with only one friend beside That sounds so lonely. Would you be willing to share more about how your life has changed after becoming Professor Bones? The passage from life to death is a very important moment for the evolution of the soul. It's the moment when you leave the material world to reach a spiritual dimension. Sliding down the underworld and that made me realize many things about my life on Earth. Now I can see. And for this, everything has changed, even if it's too late. I can't help but be curious. Why do you hide? Do you think that you could do your music the same 
if you were to share who you are in this world? the woman in your piece when I was living. She is only a memory of my life on earth. I'm gone. She stays. She is still alive and sometimes comes to visit. She is my ghost. I want to thank you with all that I am for coming to the caravan this evening. I know that your time here is limited, so I'll only ask you one last question. On your website, it states that you are a creature that in order to survive had to die first and then rise from the grave. Why is that? This is all.